and welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and discuss the issues that come our way. And, and Dan, unfortunately, in the world of pop culture, there's been a couple significant passings. We've had uh, Jimmy Buffett. Wasting away again in Searching for my Who has passed away. Apparently, it was because of some illness that he had been battling for a number of years and, you know, got to live to be in his 70s, living a full life, I guess people could say. But again, it's naturally sad when anybody passes away, no matter what the age. And then on contrast to that, you have Steve Harwell from Smash Mouth. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Another uh, singer, artist, musician that passed away in his 50s, and it was because of liver failure. And apparently he had a history of maybe alcohol abuse that might have contributed to that liver failure. But as we look at these people, and there seems to be more and more individuals that we're finding out that are passing away. Some because of maybe self-induced affliction, like maybe an alcohol problem and it affects our liver. Some maybe because of things that are outside our control, such as maybe skin cancer, a pandemic virus that just happened, you know, not too long ago, um, driving on the freeway, uh, whatever it might be. But when you take a look, and especially when you look at these kind of celebrities, we often think that celebrities are invincible, untouchable that they've got everything going for them and nothing can possibly go wrong with them. I remember Kobe Bryant passing away, you know, in his helicopter crash and people were shocked that that took place. How could that happen, you know, to Black Mamba? But it all reminds us that we are, one, fragile, two, life is not promised, tomorrow is not promised, and three, then, how how... How we live our lives or how are we going to live our lives and what does that result in the afterlife mean to us? So I thought maybe we could start by touching on that. You know, just when you look at the deaths of these people that are being celebrated, especially Jimmy Buffett and Steve Harwell, we look at their accomplishments here on earth, but we also have to take a look at ourselves and think, okay, now what? You know, we've talked about um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, thinking that when you die, you die. That's just it, you know. So again, as we kind of look at these losses, I think, uh, you know, for us to take an opportunity to kind of reflect on what happens after life and what can we do here on earth to make sure that we are, um, you know, assuring ourselves a, a good afterlife, if you may. Yeah, these are definitely good reminders, aren't they, Son, of our own mortality. You know, one of the things about all of the uh, media, Internet, the news cycle, um, and, and how available news stories are, you know, it, it, it's a matter of seconds sometimes before the death of a celebrity is, is suddenly spread around the world uh, on, on many uh, news sites and entertainment sites. And, and it happens many times suddenly. I mean, sometimes you have people who've had a prolonged illness. Uh, you know, um, this, this is not uncommon, but many times 
it, it happens maybe with a, a drug overdose or an accident of some kind. And regardless of whether it is sudden or uh, something that, that happens uh, after a lengthy illness, I think it, it leads people to reflect many times upon their own mortality. And as you said, Son, I mean, we're, we're not going to be here forever. Uh, you know, there's something about living in America where I think we kind of become seduced into this idea that we're almost in a, uh, a utopia-like setting. Now, obviously, there are many problems uh, in, in, in our nation but when you compare, for example, America to like a North Korea or, um, you know, countries in the Middle East or let's say China, uh, and of course not all countries in the Middle East, but those that are, um, you know, really locked down uh, so that Christians don't really have any freedom. Um, you know, America is like Disneyland in that sense. And when you're living in Disneyland, it's easy to just get caught up in, in, in your day-to-day -day life, chasing the American dream, um, you know, living for what this world has to offer. But, you know, Jesus, when he came onto the scene, he very much warned people about loving the world and the things in the world. Because, as Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? So some of these famous people that you mentioned their son and who have now left this world. Uh, biblically, they have gone to one of two places. Whether they ever thought about that ahead of time or not, whether they believed in it or not, you know, that's one thing, Son, about heaven and hell. Um, they're not dependent upon your belief. They exist regardless of what you believe. Now, having said that, your belief will lead you to one place or the other. Uh, you, you either will believe in the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You either believe in that one, the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, or you won't. And we usually, you know, compare this, you know, unbeliever to unbeliever. I'm sorry, believer to unbeliever, or Christian to non-Christian. Um, there are really only two categories, ultimately, of people in the world, those who are connected to Christ through faith and those who are not. And the radical message of the New Testament uh, is that there's a, a wide road that leads to destruction. Jesus said that in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, and a narrow road that leads to life. So whether a person is a famous celebrity or whether they're unknown to everybody, but maybe a couple people in the world. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a point when a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. So everyone, including those you just mentioned, will stand before the Lord on judgment day, and you're going to want to have a white robe. And, and that white robe, uh, Revelation tells us, is worn by those who, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, who have believed in Jesus as their Savior, and their sins have been forgiven then and washed with the blood uh, of Christ. This is a radical message in the sense that um, this is the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Just because it's radical, just because it's despised by many people in the world, just because it contradicts every other world religion, none of which preach the gospel, 
because if they did, they would they would be part of Christianity. Uh, but be, just because it's different does not mean it's wrong. A person gets to decide for themselves whether or not they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as he claimed to be, whether he is the only way to the Father, as he claimed to be, or whether he isn't. But your belief won't change who Jesus is. Your belief will simply reveal whether or not you are receiving God's grace and salvation and and are now part of God's eternal family, or whether you are still outside in the darkness, as the Bible describes, the spiritual darkness, even though you might be living in Disneyland, even though you might have a Ferrari and you might have a multi-million dollar home on the beach and you might take vacations all the way around the world and have you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars in the bank, a successful career, uh, good health, you know, various uh, activities that you're involved with. You can have all of that. But if you lose your soul, what have you gained? You've gained a few years of Disneyland. But the soul is immortal. And it will exist forever in either heaven or hell. Not because I say so or, or song you say so or because a Christian says so. Jesus said so because it's true. Nothing Jesus ever said was a lie. Everything was true. And, and just because, you know, some people have a hard time accepting that doesn't make it false. Uh, so, so that's what I think the death of these celebrities really can, can help a person to hopefully wrestle with. And that is, what about the Bible? What about the claims of Christ? What about heaven and hell? Um, what about all of this? Is there anything to it? And of course, as we know, as believers, it is absolutely true. Jesus fulfilled all the messianic prophecies, uh, or at least up until now, not that there aren't any future prophecies uh, regarding, you know, his, his eternal kingdom and, and his coming back to earth. But as far as all the messianic prophecies about him coming here, being born of a virgin, uh, coming out of Bethlehem, uh, you know, riding on a donkey um, and, and being betrayed, you know, I mean, all sorts of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled because he is the way of salvation. So, yes, Don, I, I think the death of any celebrity, or really any person for that matter, provides one more opportunity to talk about, well, what's up with death? What's that all about? What's the soul? What do you mean heaven? What do you mean hell? What do you mean uh, believer and unbeliever? And so it's an opportunity to talk about the very thing that will lead people to the throne of God's grace where they can receive forgiveness by faith. So uh, it's wonderful. I, I think that even in a sad time of death, um, we have the, the great and glorious good news of, of Christ's resurrection, his eternal life as a free gift. And, and that's always available to people, no matter how bad the situation may have been, no matter how many sins they may have committed. Um, you know, anyone can come to the cross, repent of their sin, accept Christ as Savior. And that goes for you, my friend. If you're listening right now and you say, well, hey, I'm not sure I go to heaven when I die. Well, would you like to know? Would you like to be sure? Uh, you can be today. And just keep listening today to the, to the podcast. And, and uh, you might be surprised where you end up in your, in your thinking and in your, in your faith here by the time this is done today. 
You know, the other sad thing when you think about it, especially when you have artists, creative types, and it's with everybody, but, you know, artists and creative types, when their actions lead to an untimely death, you know, premature death according to life standards. You know, you think of um, Freddie Mercury with Queen. I think he was 41 when he passed away. You think about Jim Morrison and some of these other artists that were 27 when they passed away, that 27 club. And you think about it. All of the missed out art, music that we as society could have experienced had there maybe been a little bit more responsibility. So if you think of what we missed out on here on Earth because of these untimely passings, because, you know, uh, people aren't here anymore to create that music or to perform that art anymore. And we think, wow, Freddie Mercury, you know, he probably could have had a few more albums in him as Queen. And you think about some of these other artists that have passed on and that are struggling with different issues. Now only imagine how much greater of something that you're missing out if you don't have your life right. Because, you know, like you said, whether you believe it or not, there is going to be an afterlife. And that afterlife will either consist of heaven or hell. And that's one of two choices. There's no in between. One is going to be extremely great far beyond words, and the other is going to be not so great, far beyond words. And so if you look at some of these artists and you're like, wow, I mean, think of the music they, they, they performed and they created and the art and all this that, you know, that we had and enjoyed, and think of the stuff that we could have enjoyed if they were still here, but now imagine in the afterlife what you're, what you're dealing with. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like if you think that you know the loss of some of these artists and these musicians is sad because – not only are they not here, but you're not able to hear their new music anymore and enjoy their new creations of what they do with their craft. Just imagine how much more you might be missing out on if you don't self-reflect and see where you're at in life and is it measuring up to what you know Jesus and the Bible talks about. That is so true, Son. And yes, I, I also, with you, I hope that, that people even listening to this podcast will will consider what you just said that um sure uh, the world will will miss out on certain things when when talented people leave but no one has ever given anything like what the savior gave when he died on the cross and rose from the dead because you see my friend what as you listen to this today i want you to know and son and i uh, you know we, we pray that you'll believe this that what Jesus offers isn't just uh, a Disneyland for 70 or 80 years, okay? Um, he offers eternity in, in heaven, where there will be eternal pleasures, where there will be majestic praise and joy, and where you'll have work to do that will be very pleasurable. You'll never get tired. You'll never get bored. You'll never get sick. Um, it, it's amazing. Uh, but you need to get a new heart by coming to the Lord here today in this time. You know, today is the day of salvation. You might say, well, okay, I'm, I'm getting close. I'm going to put it off. I may come tomorrow. Well, for some people, tomorrow never comes, sadly. You know, Son, as you were talking, I was reflecting back to a man, I believe from California, maybe it was the Silicon Valley, but it was, he was a successful guy in the world. But the reason he was in the news is because he had accidentally overdosed on, it might have been heroin, but he was on a yacht, and the last image, basically, that he would have had in this life 
was a prostitute that he was with stepping over his body while he was overdosing uh, on a drug. And, and he may or may not have even, you know, seen that when it happened. But there was something in the report about, you know, her stepping over his body. And how tragic. I mean, this is a guy, he, he had a wife and children. Uh, of course, they were probably home at the time, son. Maybe she was making dinner. Maybe she was putting the kids to bed. Maybe they were getting ready for the next day at school. Um, but, but because Satan and his cleverness had seduced this guy to think that somehow there'd be more satisfaction with a, product, a prostitute on a yacht than at home with his wife in the beautiful confines of sexual intimacy between husband and wife, in the harmonious, joyful home environment where Christ is king and parents enjoy their children and their children enjoy them and husband and wife enjoy one another. Satan always offers a counterfeit. So the thrill this man would have thought of being with this prostitute, uh, a secret sin, uh, you know, surely it won't harm anyone. Maybe he'd had a, a stressful time in his life and he felt that this would be a way for him to just, you know, kind of get a break from, from the routine. I don't know what was going through his mind, but he certainly wasn't planning to die on that yacht. He certainly wasn't planning to perhaps be given drugs that uh, who knows what they had in them. And these days you don't know what's going to be in a drug. It sounds like when you're buying street drugs, but you know, how tragic is that? But that's the way Satan works. It, it, it's like with pornography. He offers you a, uh, uh, just a little bit of excitement that once you're hooked, you, you need more and you need it quickly and then you need more and you need more and it doesn't satisfy and it ruins uh, your, your, your sex life with your, your spouse. If you're married, it, it messes with your mind. It, it, it just destroys your relationship with the Lord because of its uh, corrosive nature. Um, you know, pornography has come from the pit of hell. And, and yet that's just one of the seductions that Satan uh, tries to get people hooked on uh, because he wants people to be a, a long way from God. And, and the Lord calls us as his people to live a pure life. Now, um, only Christ in us is ultimately pure and only he can give us a clean heart and, and, and a desire to walk in a way that's pure and to say no to temptation. And every time we don't say no to temptation, we open up a door in the spiritual realm for the devil and his demons to oppress us and for us to get hooked on it, whether it be gossip or jealousy or holding a grudge or sexual lust or you name it, um, greed. I mean, all of these sins, um, they are very addictive, very addictive. Um, and, and you think, oh, well, I'll just do it one time. But what you find out is now, just like with a drug, um, you need to do it. You feel the need, I should say. You know, the Bible says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And that's what sin does. Uh, the Bible talks about the sin that so easily entangles. I remember the story here a number of years ago, right here in, in uh, Papillion of a, a man who owned a, a large snake, I think it was a boa constrictor, um, right over here on 84th Street. And he was showing it to his neighbor. And the snake ended up wrapping itself around one of the guys. I forget if it was the owner or the other guy. And it actually suffocating and just, you know, 
just taking the life right out of him. But that's what sin does. You toy with it. You think, oh, I can hold this thing. Uh, yeah, it's maybe not the best for my life, but um, I can get away with it just this one time. But if you're not careful, that thing that you toyed with, that you played with, that you kind of, um, oh, you just dabbled with a little bit, you thought. Um, it, it all of a sudden begins to control your life. I mean, look at all the people whose lives have been destroyed by a, an addiction to gambling. You know, what started out as maybe throwing a few coins into the slot machine for some fun, and certainly there have been plenty of people who've been able to do that and not get addicted. But, but for others who have more of maybe an addictive nature or they just choose to give into that, look at the thousands, the tens of thousands of dollars they've wasted at the casino. Or they, 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 they've wasted on, let's say, even cigarettes to destroy your health. You know, and today, um, you know, I, I'm amazed, son. Uh, so um, my wife works at a, at a local uh, restaurant here. And, and she works with a lot of young people in their 20s. And the other day she was telling me, son, that virtually every one of them are uh, involved in vaping. And the little bit I've heard about it, and, and Tammy seemed to, uh, you know, say the same thing, um, is, is that vaping may be more harmful for you than, than, than cigarettes. So, you know, whatever the thing is that you think you have to have for your body or your soul, um, you know, now, now granted, vaping isn't going to um, necessarily destroy your soul. It might just destroy your body. Uh, it would not be a smart thing for a Christian to do, but you know, uh, a lot of times we as Christians do things that aren't smart, that aren't healthy, that, you know, um, that maybe contribute to, um, you know, health issues. Uh, so the most important thing is our soul. The most important thing is that our sins are forgiven. The most important thing is that Jesus is our Savior. Because if he's not, and we stand before him on Judgment Day, which we all will, we go into God's courtroom without forgiveness. There will be no forgiveness offered that day to sinners in the courtroom who um, have, have you know, said no to Jesus, have gone in there without a white robe. Uh, there'll be no forgiveness. And that's reality. That's going to happen. Scripture tells us that. We know it's going to happen. And, and so I would say to you who are listening, you will have your day in God's courtroom. But you don't have to be afraid of that day if you're with the Lord. If you're trusting in Christ, then it's going to go well with you. You're going to be welcomed into heaven. But if you don't know the Lord, Jesus says there'll be many to whom he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You know, we have a man in our church. In fact, he was in a Bible study I was leading last night, in fact. Uh, and Mike right now is in his 60s. But back when he was 18 years old, uh, he had a dream before he was a Christian. He had a dream. And in that dream, he was standing in line to go before the Lord on Judgment Day. And he was watching people go before the Lord. And some people, the Lord would say, you know, welcome into heaven. Um, and, and others, he would say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so uh, Mike kept getting closer and closer to the Lord. And finally, he got up to him. And, and the Lord said to Mike, depart from me. I never knew you. And Mike said he tried to kind of talk his way into heaven, but it didn't work. And so... He started to be ushered around the corner, and right before he saw what was on the other side, he woke up. But it really jolted him into recognizing his need for Christ. And you know, that next Sunday, uh, there was a Baptist church that he attended, and um, as they do in some churches, you don't have to do this to 
uh, receive Christ as Savior. But but in some churches they do this, and it can be a very helpful practice for people. He uh, he went forward at the end of the service, and he professed his faith in Christ, he accepted Christ as Savior. And Mike's been a Christian ever since, you know, for about the last fifty years. But he had a dream. He had a dream. How much better, son, to have a dream? Maybe be scared for a minute, you know, about the reality of heaven and hell. But, but then recognize that you need the Lord. In fact, Jesus even said, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. He said, instead, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, have a fear of the Lord because he has the power to send you to hell. I mean, ultimately, it's man's sin that sends him there. But, but God is the one. The angels will separate, you know, the believers from unbelievers. God is the one then who ultimately sends people to hell or brings them into heaven if they've trusted in Christ to have borne their punishment on the cross, then they won't be punished for their sins. That's the good news of the gospel, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. But if they've rejected Christ, or if they've tried to save their own soul by their works, um, they're going to find out, sadly, tragically, that that doesn't cut it. If we could be saved by our works, there would have been no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. So um, this is very, very important, the most important thing in all the world. And if you're listening to this right now, it's not an accident. The Lord's uh, allowing you to hear this, just like he's allowed Son and I at a point in our past uh, to learn this message. You know, from us, you know, we, we learned it from our parents, um, you know, and, and, and a lot of Christians learn it from their parents, but others come to learn it later in life. Uh, Mike fortunately had that dream when he was 18. And if you're not yet a Christian, uh, I hope that you'll have something, a dream, some sort of epiphany. Uh, you need to come to Jesus moment where you get converted uh, by faith, where you accept Christ as your Savior. Because short of that, my friend, you know, short of that, there is no salvation. There may be Disneyland for a few years. You might be able to distract yourself from the reality of heaven and hell for a few years. But you don't want to do that. Because you know how many millions of people have done that only to go to their grave? only to realize, you know, two seconds after they died, wait a minute, all that stuff they were talking about is real, is true. You'll be more alert two seconds after you die than you've ever been. You'll be more aware of, of just so many things. But, but today is the day of salvation. So I hope you'll consider trusting Christ as your Savior if you haven't already, and then just rest in His grace and His forgiveness. Of course you're imperfect. We all are. That's not the issue. The issue is Christ's perfection, His cross. He will forgive your sins, no matter what you've done. But you need to come to him today because you're not promised tomorrow. Do you think there's a little bit of, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, when we look at things here on earth, it can be fun. You know, earth can be a fun place to be, obviously. But when we take a look at heaven, we really don't know what's there as far as a humanistic perspective. So what we see are things on TV, maybe things in movies, uh, maybe art, you know, pieces of art, or maybe stories of people who say they went to heaven. And the image, I mean, quite frankly, it's boring. Um, you know, you see images of people, you know, in kind of cloud city wearing white, um, you know, really not doing anything. You know, you get that old image 
you know, from uh, playing the harp on the cloud with wings and, you know, all this stuff. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's going to be jobs, there's going to be things that we're going to be doing, you know, we're going to be more alive than ever before. So do you think that, obviously, God is the one that's in control and works on our hearts on the spiritual level, and we are waging a spiritual war. Uh, but do you think that oftentimes people are deceived because of the images that they see here on earth, that interpretation? Like for me, I was never one that really wanted to see what Jesus was like, like an image of Jesus. What does Jesus like? Well, I never really cared because I never really thought that an artist could portray what Jesus looked like, okay, growing up. We always had that one little picture of Jesus that everybody has, you know, from the Bible bookstore, or or maybe you see an image of Jesus on TV, you know, people now maybe with Passion of the Christ, you might vision, you know, Jim Caviezel or something. But we get this kind of, you know, earthly perspective of what heaven might be like. And yet, it's nowhere near what it's going to be. So you think that sometimes that is a deception for people that they see, okay, this might be a perception of what heaven is, but what I've got going on here on earth is way better, so I'm going to live it up here because that doesn't appeal to me like earth does? Yeah, I think that can factor in certainly, Sonda, to people's impressions. You know, there have been movies, and I don't I don't remember watching the movie. I really wasn't interested. Uh but that movie was it? Was it Morgan Freeman who played God in the movie Oh God? Or I think yeah. there was that one with Mel. Uh, uh, anyway, um, George Burns, George Burns. But anyway, um, I think sometimes movies like that and, and others, you know, they'll they'll have like this this white space, maybe a few chairs, you know, maybe somebody playing a harp. I mean, the world's idea of heaven is so far removed from reality. Uh, you know, heaven will be an explosion of of colors and sounds and smells and sights and praise. And, 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 you know, Sean, the Bible talks about a, a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We might be surprised. In fact, I suspect we will just to, to see how many things there are in this new heaven and new earth that um, are, are, are the opposite of just generic, uh, the opposite of, uh, I mean, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, of course, revelation talks about streets of gold and the, and the walls and, and everything with, with the emeralds and the gates to the city. I mean, so there's a lot of beautiful imagery, but, but I think, I think, um, you know, waterfalls and, and rivers. And I just think we might, well, we're going to be, I, I think, pleasantly surprised at, at, at heaven in so many different ways. But to go to your question, I do think people, um, they, they, they have kind of this boring idea. As I heard somebody say one time, it's like we're, 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 we're sitting around bored out of our, our skull just looking for a, a magazine to read because we're so bored. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's almost like people, and you and I have talked about this, Son, people who think, well, you know, hell won't be so bad. Maybe the beer will be warm, but at least I'll be there partying with my friends who are there. I mean, I mean, there's no concept uh, that natural man has of the horrors of hell and no concept that natural man has of just the glory of heaven. So when, when we try to define these places, with our, with our finite understanding, um, it, it's impossible. Um, you know, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So it's going to be literally out of this world, but in a much greater way than we could even fathom. You know, the other thing, Dan, that I wanted to kind of touch on for a little bit, if we can, is there's this story coming out of uh, northern Nevada, obviously, with Burning Man. Burning Man, a festival every year that takes place up at the playa, and they turn the desert into like a makeshift city. And 
they have all kinds of art and stuff, but it's also pretty paganistic. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, sexual activity going on, sexual gratification. So, I mean, it, it really is a, a pagan celebration. But this past time, this past year they had it, it, uh, it rained and caused all kinds of havoc and, and you know, wasn't very ple- uh, pleasurable as it was in past years. Now, I know Burning Man is gone for years and years and years, and, you know, maybe they've never had any issues. But it got me thinking about the original Woodstock and how, you know, pretty much that was a train wreck. And then Woodstock 99, I watched a documentary not too long ago about that, and that was really a train wreck. And then you think of some other things that have happened that are associated with these these type of events. You know, there was like a, a fire festival that completely fell apart and um, that was brought up when Burning Man was being talked about recently. And, and like when living in California during the, uh, the earthquake there, and I think it was 94, um, they were talking about there was an earthquake in Northridge, California. And at the time, Northridge and the San Fernando Valley was kind of the hub for the adult film industry. And so people were saying, oh, that was God's wrath or judgment on, you know, that industry because it suffered the most damage and whatever. So my question is then, as, you, as we look at some of these things that go on in this world, Okay. Obviously, if you live in Florida, you're going to be in hurricane zone. If you live in the Midwest, tornado, tornado alley, you're going to be in tornado alley and face tornadoes. I mean, that's just nature. That's just weather. That's just what it is. But when you look at some of these other things that really are slap in the face to God and people really celebrating this lifestyle, I mean, Let's go back to, you know, people's personal lifestyles. Like we talked about earlier, if you're drinking alcohol a lot, it's going to affect your liver, might affect your life. But when God looks at these things, is there any type of judgment, I guess we'll use the word, that he allows these things to happen specifically and maybe purposely because of the type of event that is going on? Or are we still just dealing with a fallen world and... Obviously, God's in control, but what happens just like the earthquakes, just like the tornadoes, just like the other type of natural disasters, weather phenomenons that take place, are these just happenstance and things that just happen because they just happen? Or does God give it a little extra attention in his, quote, unquote, judgment of these things? Yeah, I think that's a question, Son, many people have wrestled with. It is interesting, isn't it, that we refer to these as natural disasters. Not to say that God isn't ultimately in control of things, because he is, but these are part of the fallen world in which we live. Now, if we think back into the Old Testament of what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, we would maybe refer to that more as a supernatural disaster, deliberately brought about by God to punish evildoers. Um, I, I don't believe today. Um, we have enough information to be able to say in, in most situations whether or not uh, God seems to be punishing people for this or not. I mean, we, we, we might have a speculation at times, but all you have to do is look at how many of these natural disasters happen. And, you know, they, it seems to happen across the board um, in, in both uh, Christian nations and as well, and when I mean when I say Christian nation, I mean what I really mean by that is where there maybe are a lot of Christians. Um, not that any nation today per se is, is Christian that is structured to 
proclaim the gospel because the only thing structured to proclaim the gospel is the church of Jesus Christ, the invisible church uh, made up of believers. But it's very difficult to know um, in any given disaster, uh, was that something that God uh, brought about or allowed to happen because of, of sin in this community or this nation? Um, that would be very, very hard to uh, to discern. Uh, so I, I don't know that we really have enough information on that. It's a mystery why these uh, disasters occur the way they do, why life is taken the way it is. Um, and again, I'm not saying that there aren't maybe situations where it was absolutely God's divine uh, punishment uh, for something man has done. But I, I don't think that uh, Scripture addresses it clearly enough, at least for sure in the New Testament. You know, last night in our, in our Bible study, uh, a few of the verses we looked at, Jesus calmed the water or the storm. So he rebuked the winds and the waves, and, and, and things became calm. So God has the power to stop a, a disaster, to, um, to prevent it from happening. Um, and, and I think there undoubtedly been times where, where people's prayers uh, have been have been heard and answered, and and uh, the tornado, you know, missed their town, or or whatever the case might be. So, what about those times when uh, the, the the disaster hits the the Christian home or the or the community where people have been, um, you know, hoping they're not going to have that? This is a fallen world, uh, and in this fallen world, we're going to have. Um, those kinds of things happening. And once again, it goes back to really what we started with, Son. It goes back to the fact that, you know, thank the Lord there is heaven. Thank the Lord there's a place where there will be no uh, natural disasters or even minor, just little disasters of any kind. Uh, there won't be so much as a scrape on your arm. Uh, you know, so it's a great question that you asked. Uh, I just don't know that we, we have... Uh, a very good answer for it. It kind of seems to be above our pay grade right now. And one day we'll, we'll know a lot more about it when we get to heaven. But I, I just don't know that we know too much right now. What would you say to people that go to these events? I mean, you know, you've got Christians that go to Coachella. Um, I don't know, maybe Burning Man. I, I would be really hard pressed to see somebody of faith go to Burning Man based on all the stuff that happens there. But, you know, the, you, you partake in these kind of festivals and things where all this other stuff goes on, you know, maybe drugs, alcohol, um, and the environment isn't probably the best, you know, isn't the most uplifting or uh, encouraging. In fact, you know, it's probably more encouraging you to, you know, go against biblical principles and your faith and to support it. Um, but right. if people, you know, if people say, I go because whatever, and I'm a, I'm a believer, um, what would you say to or what would be a response that we could say to people that, you know, go to these things that also profess to be a Christian and follow Jesus? Well, I mean, I think it, at a minimum, we could ask them some questions to try to understand their perspective. And that would be, you know, why are you going? I mean, let's say somebody comes back and says, well, I prayed about it and I really feel like the Lord wants me to be there uh, to witness to some others. I mean, I remember when I was in college, son, uh, I was invited by some friends uh, who I'd been attending uh, some Bible studies with 
to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, and hand out some gospel tracks uh, at a uh, at a secular heavy metal concert. And I never done anything like that before, but I, I um, took them up on their offer, and it was a, a faith building experience. Uh, now we did not attend the concert. Um, we did not pay, you know, to go and, and see it, but we we stood outside as people entered, and we gave them this literature, this Christian literature. And, and, and so, but I think you're talking even more than that. You're talking about, I, I, it sounds like, you know, you know, Christians who would attend an event where, uh, you know, maybe, uh, uh, it, it's just the last, uh, thing that, that, that place would be doing would be honoring God. Maybe they're just flat out dishonoring God. And, and, and to that, we'd have to really try to challenge a Christian in their thinking, you know, why would, why would you want to support that with your, your, your funding, with your time, with your mind, um, how is that at all consistent with your profession of faith? And, and so I think there are ways we could do that. They could hopefully get the person to be thinking, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a, a, a reason that I can't think of, but um, it sure doesn't seem, uh, it, it doesn't seem like there would really be uh, a good reason for a Christian to attend something like that if, if let's say, the purpose of it is to, you know, put down the Christian faith or, or just to promote um, godless values or to celebrate just wicked living. You know, how, how is that consistent with what we believe as Christians? Yeah, because I just, it just, you know, we all have to wrestle with those decisions and stuff, but it just seems like that we're starting to see a little bit more. Now, we've talked about it before, Dan. There, there is a difference between committing an act of sin because the Bible talks about there is none righteous, not even one. We all fall short. We're all going to sin. And not until we get our resurrected bodies will we be perfect. And so we all struggle with something. But then there's that other side where it's the celebration of the lifestyle of sin, the lifestyle of going against God's will, the lifestyle of something and flaunting that lifestyle. And it seems like, especially you mentioned, you know, in, in America, the Western world, it seems like that flaunting continues to get more abrasive as more and more people are trying to change the gospel to fit the world than the world to fit the gospel. Um, you know, and not to get into it too much because it wasn't the point, but just as an example, if I may, um, you know, you have Rick Warren going to a uh, a conference to try to appeal to the conferences, you know, like the Baptist General Conference or whatever it is, appeal to them to say that don't kick us out as an organization just because we have women pastors, okay? So, again, that a lot of people would look at that and be like, okay, that's adapting a worldly perspective and trying to make the Bible fit the world instead of us changing our worldly perspectives to fit the Bible. And I think a lot of people will sit there and try to, and I hear it all the time, we need to change our views, we need to change our thinking, we need to change our beliefs to fit the world, but it's like, no, we need to do the opposite. We need to change our worldly views to fit the Bible. Yeah, that, of course, son, is always to be the Christian approach, isn't it? It's been that way for 2,000 years. Uh, Christians have lived in communities and in cultures where the gospel is not the focus, um, where, where the focus is on earthly things, um, the focus is on material things. And, and so wherever you live as a Christian, you're going to have uh, godless influences around you that 
uh, go against your faith, your convictions, go against scripture, and it's going to challenge you. Uh, and, and you might even be persecuted for your faith, uh, for taking a stand for what is right. But, but you're exactly right, Son. I mean, there are those who, um, in, in our, in our day today who are more interested in, um, in, in appealing to maybe what is hip or current or modern, uh, rather than, um, really what, what, what is true. You know, um, I was mentioning to my family here recently, son, I don't even know the name of it, but I actually like the tune. I, I like the song, but, 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 you know, the lyrics, uh, if I understand what he's trying to say, it, it concerns me. Um, and the, uh, the individual is singing about how, you know, nobody really knows what happens at, at the end of this life. And, and, and even if they were trying to contrast that with the biblical view, um, there are going to be some people who are going to listen to that and say, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, we don't know what happens at the end of this life. And I'm thinking, you know, for a Christian song um, to, to, to say something so confusing and, and seemingly contradictory to Scripture, um, I, I just I find that um, not, not very helpful. Uh, you know, there's so many ways you could incorporate lyrics without, you know, saying, well, you know, uh, nobody really knows what happens, you know, at the end of this life. So I, I agree with you that um, man, man is good at changing um, what Scripture says to accommodate a culture, to accommodate um, maybe what is, um, you know, in, in, in fashion at the time. But, but God does not change. Jesus does not change. Uh, the scripture does not change. And, uh, if we're not careful, uh, before you know it, we're siding with the world, uh, rather than with the Bible. When we take a look at, you know, we can't predict the future, but as we, we're moving forward, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are talking about, um, what it's going to look like for, for a Christian. I think uh, Greg Laurie had something like four points recently of what it would be like for a believer in the end times. Um, when we take a look at our responsibilities now for a Christian, you know, and the Great Commission and what we're supposed to be doing, trying to, you know, witness and spread the gospel, do you, is it, do we have to be more bold now than before? Because let me put it this way. So, you know, growing up, we would go and we would stand in the street corner strategically, maybe pass out pamphlets. Or like you mentioned, maybe you're called to go to a festival or something and try to pass out pamphlets. There was one guy, unfortunately, who felt God called him to go down to South Central L.A. after during the riots uh, back in the day. And, you know, unfortunately, he got beat up. And I don't know if he made it or not. But he was a, a, a guy that went to a local church that we knew. Um, and so... We get these ideas of God calling us to do certain things to, you know, share the gospel. But it's also becoming more and more of a dangerous world that we're living in. You know, the days of sending your youth group to a street corner to, you know, pass out tracks. In, in fact, in some of these cities, it's even dangerous just to live in the cities, let alone, you know, express faith in these cities. But to stay on the street corner, pass out tracks, just doesn't seem like that's a wise thing to do. Um, when, so, Where's the balance, I guess, between going out there and spreading the good news versus being responsible and knowing that, okay, this might not be a safe environment? You know, because it's one thing to, to go out there and be a martyr, 
and just give yourself up. And it's another thing to be strategic about what we do because even missionaries, you know, that go overseas, there's a lot of planning, a lot of prayer, a lot of preparation. And even though those missionaries, like we've talked about in the past episodes, even though they might get kidnapped or something bad might happen to them, it's not because they were cavalier in their decision-making. It was God legitimately called them deliberately to these places. And because he called them to these places, he obviously had a plan. But for us, as we move into this future of uh, you know, this more violent world that we live in, you know, crime is rampant. There is a major pushback on Christianity. You've got other religions now that are being more vocal that are anti-Christian. Um, you know, what is it you think that our responsibility is or should be as Christians, but yet we still want to spread the gospel, but we want to do it safe and sane and not just become a cavalier martyr for the cause? Yeah, I think, Son, that as we pray and ask the Lord to guide us and lead us into which opportunities we should pursue. It's interesting you mentioned South Central L.A., and I was reminded of in my own life nearly 35 years ago when I was working in Los Angeles for my third year of seminary training, and the Lord had led me to be writing some gospel rap lyrics after working in the uh, inner city of, uh, of Omaha, actually, um, in 1985 uh, during my summer, the summer of my junior year of college. And anyway, to make a long story short, um, God had us create a, a couple of gospel rap albums. And so I, I would go around to, to many different cities and walk around and hand out these free tapes, uh, cassette tapes with the gospel rap songs to get the message into the hands of, of young people. And, and the Lord allowed us to distribute about 90,000 of those, many of which were given away uh, free of charge. And so the Lord was providing funds. I mean, some were sold uh, for a few dollars, but most of them were given away. But anyway, I remember being in Los Angeles there for that year and, and I felt led to go to some different areas. I was actually living uh, there in, in L.A., near Inglewood, there in a, uh, a home that was connected to one of the churches I was working with. But I remember going into the project, uh, I, I believe it was maybe in Watts, uh, but it was in South Central L.A. And at the time, you know, I was very naive, though, but uh, I, I uh, came up on um, what would have been a street gang, just kind of hanging out there on, uh, I think, on the porch of somebody's home or out in front of one of the projects there. And anyway, I, I just, I remember, uh, you know, them asking me to kind of pull up my pants. Like I think I had on sweatpants cause they were sure I was a cop and I probably had on a, you know, uh, some sort of recording device or something. And, uh, and I had my little bag with tapes in it I was carrying. And, uh, but I, but I share all that to say at the time, you know, um, because I was so caught up with wanting to spread the message. I didn't even really think about, or was even aware of, well, Hey, you know, for a white guy, to be walking into um, this, uh, you know, this housing project where uh, there's this uh, gang of, of, of black uh, teenagers or young, you know, in their 20s. Um, I didn't really think about the danger. And now as I reflected back on it later, you know, or maybe even later years, I kind of thought, well, boy, you know, that uh, thankfully the Lord uh, was watching out for me there because uh, like the one you mentioned, son, the, the people, the guy you knew, I'm sorry to hear that, that he had a different experience there. Uh, in South Central, it sounds like. But uh, I guess I go into all that just to say that um, there have been many times that Christians have gone into some dangerous areas, and today, of course, uh, sharing the gospel. Um, and we just want to pray for wisdom. Uh, like, like you say, we don't want to go in with a cavalier attitude. We don't want to go in, you know, recklessly. Uh, but at the same time, um, God does call people into dangerous areas 
Um, and there are martyrs. Uh, you know, I've told the story many times of, you know, we, we, we uh, worked a lot with Pastor Vijay from India over the years, and, and um, he had two missionaries he had trained, Daniel and Isaac. And they and their families uh, were led to go and minister to the poorest of the poor. I believe it was in Calcutta, uh, but it was uh, in a very poor area there in India. And there were some Hindu extremists who warned them, hey, we don't want your message here. You need to get out of here. We're going to hurt you. But Daniel and Isaac felt led to stay along with their families, and they stayed. Well, they ended up being kidnapped, uh, placed in a burlap bag. They had hot oil poured on them, and they were left on the side of the road to die, and they did die. And they lost their lives, and they were martyrs for the faith. And believe it or not, their wives uh, decided to stay and continue ministering in the areas where their husbands had been martyred. So um, it's very difficult to talk about, you know, where a person should or shouldn't minister without our own natural, you know, thinking coming into it. Because naturally speaking, son, um, Daniel and Isaac and their family should have left. Um, now, now, supernaturally speaking, um, they felt led by the Lord to stay and they'll receive a, a martyr's reward in heaven, a martyr's crown, whatever that reward is. So heaven is a free gift. But but there are heavenly rewards. Um, you know, bless are you when when men persecute you. For great is your reward in heaven. Uh, whatever that reward is, the, the, the eternal life is a gift. But um, you know, I, I'm just going into this to say that it's very difficult to to say in any given situation. Should a Christian go there? Well, you know, what about that guy, son? That that, that went. Nobody had gone to that uh, that place where where they had killed every missionary who had yeah. gone before him and. And, and, and he went in there here in the last number of years, and, and he was killed. And, and people questioned whether that was very smart of him to do or not. Um, but, you know, only the Lord can say if, if he was following the Lord's lead. Um, we know that Jesus was following the Father's lead, and look where it got him. Um, he was killed. He was crucified. But he rose again. I mean, they're, they're, the, 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 you can't even compare anybody else's, you know, death to the Lord's because that was for our salvation. But, it, but it, it just drives the point home that sometimes God's will is for his best, uh, his best servants. And there have been none better than Christ. He's the perfect one. But for his best servants to die, um, for, for their blood to be spilled and shed. So it's very difficult to really know, I, I would say, you know, is that situation too dangerous or not? Really, it, it boils down to, is God calling me there or not? Um, and... Uh, you know, then a secondary question is, well, is it a place where I might lose my life or not? Uh, and certainly there are plenty of places like that. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, one of those things that people don't really think about, you know, when you when you're when you have that. I guess that fine line between God calling you versus our personal desire to serve. You know, we just got to make sure that whatever it is we're doing, because again, when it gets back to the personal desire to serve, it might be well intended, but is it about us checking off boxes? Is it about us wanting limelight? Is it about us wanting something versus a natural, genuine calling from God? And so it's just something, you know, again, as we circle back to the beginning, 
with the death of Jimmy Buffett and Steve Harwell, you know, it's just a time to examine our lives and see, you know, what is going on or a reminder for us to examine our lives, to see what's going on in our own lives. That is good, bad. Where should we be? What should be going on? You know, and stuff like that. And so um, it's just a good conversation to have. I thought as, uh, as the news breaks from, you know, these two uh, artists passing on that, Hey, it's just a reminder to check ourselves to make sure that, you know, we're on the right path. And if not, maybe we need to reconsider some things. Well, and Sean, if I might add in there that you made such a good point there that I want to comment on, you know, if a person is making a ministry decision, whether that be to go and serve somewhere as a missionary, whether that be to do, you know, a one-time gig down at the homeless shelter, I mean, whatever it might be, whether it's to get up and, and play the guitar, you know, in a worship band. Okay. I don't care what it is. Teach a Bible class. Okay. Um, if the person is doing that, if even 5% of their motivation is, or less than that, but obviously 5%, if any of their motivation is to be seen, to be known, to be about them, then they shouldn't be doing it at all because that is not ever what God calls any of his servants to do. If in a person's heart, and sometimes of course, only the Lord knows what's in their heart and they know they should know. But if, if, if even they have an inkling, well, I'm going to do this to get the recognition. Um, well, not only will there be no heavenly reward for that, uh, you know, that's what the Pharisees were all about. Um, but, but it's just not a spirit-led, spirit-motivated, spirit-filled uh, action. Because the, the, the ministry of a Christian is always to be 100% about the Lord and His glory. And if it becomes about us, even 1%, if in our heart, oh, man, this is going to make me look good, um, then our thinking is so twisted, so perverted, so dark, that we need to just go and get alone with God and pray and say, Lord, I don't know if, I can, if I'll ever be able to do something for you, but if I ever am, um, please take that out of my heart uh, because it's dark, it's ugly, I hate it. Um, and, and so I'm so glad you raised that point, Son, because anything. And if a person's been doing ministry for 50 years or for, you know, 50 days, it doesn't matter if the motivation is, it's, it's going to be about me, then that is twisted. Um, that's of the devil ultimately in terms of that motivation. And, uh, it, it just cannot be that, um, you know, what did John the Baptist, you know, one of the most humble people ever to walk on the earth, you know, say about Jesus, he must become greater. I must become less. And that's always the heartbeat of a spirit-filled Christian. Um, spirit-filled Christians do not have uh, a desire to be in the limelight. In fact, it's the opposite. They have a desire to make Christ known. Now, some happen to get in the limelight, like Billy Graham, you know, and, and others. Uh, they get in the limelight, but, but um, you know, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth, the Bible says. But look how God used Moses. So humility is key. It's very, very important. Um, it's not about us. It's only about the Lord. And if I find something in my heart that thinks it's about me, then I'm not ready to minister in any sort of setting, even to one person, really, uh, until, I get, until I get right with God on that issue in my heart. Dan Delzell with us as we discuss the issues that passes through the crossroads of faith and pop culture. And, Dan, we appreciate your time, your insight, your words, and... Um, Again, just encourage people to, you know, take a moment to examine themselves and if they like what they see, you know, keep 
pushing towards the mark. And if there's some changes that need to be made, maybe now's the time to uh, make those changes. And so, again, Dan, we appreciate your your time, and we look forward to uh, many more conversations, God willing. Well, I sure do as well, Son. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll just uh, keep praying that the Lord, you know, guides each one of us and all the listeners in the path He wants us to go. And for those of you that are listening that want to maybe hear other episodes, you can go to our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Look for the uh, Sanctified Reason logo. Click on it, and all of our past episodes pop up, and you can take a listen. And you can also uh, email the show, SanctifiedReasonPodcast at gmail.com, if you want to uh, reach out and uh, send us a message. So, Uh, For those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.